0: It's Monday, August 19th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today we're checking in on Portland, Oregon, the scene of far-right and anti-fascist protests over the weekend. We'll connect the dots on some of the groups that joined in and the debate they're sparking over how the US defines domestic terrorism. Then Italy is refusing to take in migrants on a rescue ship anchored just off its coast. We'll give you the details. And finally, scientists have discovered the equivalent of a huge, real-life game of Pac-Man. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by Wix.com. The most complicated story today is about Portland, Oregon. And the protests over the weekend between far-right and anti-fascist groups that ended in 13 arrests and six injuries. Portland's been something of a ground zero for these kinds of protests, and ahead of the latest round this weekend, President Trump got involved, tweeting that one of the groups expected to participate should maybe be called a, quote, organization of terror. So we're going to give you the context on what happened this weekend in Portland, tell you about two of the groups that were on the ground, and how the protests relate to larger questions about domestic terrorism. The rally in Portland this weekend was organized by a group called the Proud Boys. The Proud Boys are a far-right group that's been around since 2016. It's an all-male, anti-feminist, and anti-Islam group that advocates for closing U.S. borders, among other things. They've been accused of being violent. In fact, today, two Proud Boy members were convicted in New York over their involvement in a street fight last year, with people believed to be connected to a left-wing group called Antifa. More on them later. A court found them guilty of attempted gang assault, attempted assault, and riot. The Proud Boys have been on the federal government's radar for a while. But in December, an FBI official reportedly said that they don't consider the Proud Boys to be an extremist group. The FBI says it'll investigate individual criminal behavior, but it's not in the business of policing ideology. More on that in a minute. The Proud Boys organized Saturday's rally in response to a group of the left-wing protesters we just mentioned, called Antifa. Antifa's short for anti-fascist. It's a loosely organized group, but many members are anti-capitalist. While some Antifa members use peaceful tactics to disrupt political events, they're also willing to destroy property or use violence to confront right-wing groups. At a different rally in Portland in June, Antifa members were accused of beating up a conservative journalist. No one's been charged in that and police are reportedly still investigating. The Proud Boys say Antifa should be labeled as a terrorist group. And ahead of Saturday's protest, President Trump seemed to get on board with that, tweeting that quote, "Major consideration is being given to naming Antifa an organization of terror." There have been bipartisan calls in Congress to make domestic terrorism a federal crime especially in the wake of the El Paso shooting, in which the shooter allegedly published an anti-immigrant manifesto. Right now, domestic terrorism is defined by law, but there aren't any penalties. Suspects usually get charged with something else, like with hate crimes or with breaking gun laws. Despite that, labeling Antifa as a terror group has become a popular talking point for right-wing commentators and some Republicans in Congress. Last month, Senators Ted Cruz of Texas and Bill Cassidy of Louisiana introduced a non-binding resolution to label Antifa a domestic terrorist organization. The bill blamed Antifa for equating free speech with violence, citing the alleged assault of that conservative journalist in June. The problem is, Antifa isn't really an organization. It doesn't have a leader or a headquarters, and its members are often anonymous. They wear masks at protests. Members of Antifa say the resolution to label it a domestic terrorist group, quote, criminalizes dissent. The Republican Resolution is basically just about Antifa. It mentions white supremacist terrorism once. It's worth noting, the federal government doesn't have a public list of domestic terrorist groups. And, bigger picture, whenever there's talk about labeling certain beliefs as okay and certain beliefs as the inspiration for domestic terrorism, free speech activists can get uneasy. They don't want the government choosing what kind of language is okay, if controversial, and what kind is illegal. So what's the skim? The clashes between Antifa and the Proud Boys in Portland over the weekend spotlight a larger debate happening in the country over how to deal with hate groups and domestic extremism. President Trump appears to be getting on board with the idea of calling Antifa a domestic terrorist organization. But critics fear that criminalizing ideology, as opposed to just criminal behavior, is a dangerous step. And while a lot of the talk about this weekend's protests was about Antifa, in a press conference on Saturday, Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler seemed to focus more on the effect that far-right groups have. This is from KATU-TV. We are now confronting the reality that in the United States, we have a, a rising white nationalist movement based on white supremacy in this country, and it is impacting the entire nation. Coming up, Italy is telling a ship Full of migrants, they're not welcome. We'll explain after the break. Support for Skim This comes from Wix.com. See why over 150 million people choose Wix to create their very own professional website. With Wix, you can easily start a blog, launch an online store, or create an event. There are hundreds of intuitive design features so you can tell your story exactly the way you want to. You can get started right away by simply going to Wix.com. That's WIX.com, promo code SKIMTHIS to get 10% off. That's WIX.com, promo code SKIMMTHIS to get 10% off. Italy is in a standoff, with a ship carrying more than 100 migrants. The charity that runs the ship says it needs to dock ASAP, but Italy won't let it. So let's talk about this ship. It's a Spanish aid ship called the Open Arms operated by a humanitarian group of the same name. Almost three weeks ago, on August 1st, the open arms picked up a group of around 150 migrants off the coast of Libya. It's not clear why this group of migrants, most from Africa, fled. But in recent years, over a million migrants have tried to cross the Mediterranean to escape poverty and violence back home. Last week, the ship tried to dock at an Italian island called Lampedusa, but Italy stopped it. Why? For years, Italy has been at the forefront of the migrant crisis in Europe, literally on the forefront. Italy is the closest European country to Libya, where a lot of the migrant and refugee boats leave from. And in recent years, Italy's government has moved to the right. Italy's Interior Minister Matteo Salvini is the leader of the anti-migrant League party. He's been hoping to take power from his boss, Prime Minister Giuseppe Conti, who's in a different party. Earlier this month, Salvini called for a no-confidence vote to kick Conti out of power. That vote could happen as soon as this week, and Salvini sees his anti-migrant stance as key to his support. The prime minister wanted to allow the unaccompanied migrants off the boat, but Salvini said no. This weekend, after pressure from the prime minister, Salvini relented, and dozens of unaccompanied kids were allowed to disembark. But the other 100-plus migrants are still stuck on that ship. The aid ship says that conditions there are a, quote, full humanitarian crisis. Some migrants have tried escaping by jumping off the ship and trying to swim 30 miles to shore. They were rescued and taken back to the ship. All of this comes as other EU countries like Spain, France, Germany, and others have offered to take in some migrants. Spain even offered to let the ship come to its port instead. But the aid ship says it would take days to get there and that it can't afford to risk migrants' health by waiting that long. What happens next? It's not clear, but the European Commission says it's watching this closely. The Commission can help relocate migrants to different EU countries, but reportedly can't force Italy to let these migrants on its shores. Meanwhile, conditions for the migrants on the open arms are reportedly still bad doctors this weekend examined migrants on the ship and said their medical and psychological states were endangered. So while Italy's domestic politics play out, the health of dozens of people in the Mediterranean Sea could hang in the balance. Today is World Humanitarian Day. It's a day the United Nations dedicates to aid workers to highlight the work they do to help those in need. There are an estimated 250,000 female aid workers around the world, doing everything from driving trucks and building schools to giving legal advice and providing sanitary pads. It can be dangerous work. 2018 was the second worst year on record for violence against aid workers. 405 workers were killed, kidnapped, or wounded. The UN says wherever there's conflict or a natural disaster, the people most likely to be harmed and need protection are women and children. And that female aid workers are a huge asset in helping those vulnerable groups on the front lines. Here's Sylvia Risi, who works with female farmers in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. I think the biggest pro is that being a woman, I have better access to the women we, we assist and we work with. To mark World Humanitarian Day, The UN has an interactive online feature that's pretty cool. It compares your workday to that of a female aid worker. For example, at 10 a.m., while you'd have your morning meeting, a midwife named Laura meets with pregnant women left homeless by a cyclone in Mozambique. The site updates every hour, and each story is fascinating. You can check out the latest update at WorldHumanitarianDay.org. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from space. Astronomers say they believe Earth just felt a space-time ripple from a cosmic event that took place a very, very long time ago. Basically, the astronomers say 900 million years ago, a black hole somewhere out there ate a neutron star. Kind of like when Pac-Man eats all the pellets until he wins the game. Apparently, that cosmic collision created a bunch of gravitational waves that traveled over 8,000 million trillion kilometers and hit Earth last week. Astronomers are 99% sure this is the first time anyone's detected a black hole and a neutron star merging as one. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks for listening and be sure to hit subscribe. We'd also love for you to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. For more Skim, sign up for our free morning newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox.